0: I was a wandering soul, traveling a well worn road. A sinner so far from home, no second chance inside. I heard you call my name, I felt you lift my shame. I made a vow that day That I'd spend the rest of my life Loving my Jesus
1: Showing my scars Telling my story Of how mercy can reach you where you are And I pray the whole world hears the cry of my heart Is to see all the ones I love, loving my
0: Jesus Sin tries to make you hide Whispers that same old life Keep all your pain inside Cause no one will understand The last thing this lost world needs Is someone I'm trying to be Truth that has set me free That I'm just a broken man Loving my
1: Jesus Showing my scars Telling my story Of how mercy Can reach you where you are And I pray the whole world Hears the cry of my The ones I love Loving my Jesus
0: When all is said and done When my last song's been sung I stand face to face with the one Who gave all for me May all I have to show Be all that mattered most Making your great name known this be my only legacy loving my
1: Jesus showing my scars telling my story of how mercy can reach you where you are and i pray the whole my heart to see all the ones I
2: Do you love the Lord today? Amen. Let's take your Bible, turn if you would, over to Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Good to see you all this morning. Mark 8, 34, we'll read it here in just a moment. Last week, we began looking at a new series of messages entitled, Getting Out of Your Comfort Zone, Doing Things That Make Us Feel Uncomfortable. And we began looking at it last week and talking about situations that we come upon in certain times in our life that make us uncomfortable, and rightly so. You know, there's some things, like I said last week, there's some things this past year that have been very uncomfortable. I mean, this whole COVID thing has been uncomfortable. And, And if you've got sick with the COVID, it's a very uncomfortable thing. Um, if you've had to wear masks at times when you don't want to wear a mask, that's uncomfortable. I mean, having uh, you know, a lot of things being shut down and, and things that have happened over the last year, it's been very uncomfortable. I mean, there's times in our life when we're uncomfortable, and it's rightfully so to be uncomfortable. I, I said, used the example last week of being audited by the IRS. Can you imagine sitting there across as the guy is talking to you and he's writing notes down as you're talking about And he's keeping all these, and that's uncomfortable. There's a lot of things in life that are uncomfortable. How many of y'all remember going to the principal's office? Was that not uncomfortable? You know, I mean, don't raise your hand. I, I remember that. <laughs> Jeremy's got his hand up back there. I, somehow I don't find that hard to believe, Brother Jeremy. No, <laughs> I mean, what's that? Oh, no, that's not good. I can tell you, I remember, I remember going to the principal's office. That was really uncomfortable. I can tell you it was more uncomfortable, though, than going to the principal's office. It was when I got home from going to the principal's office. That was a whole lot more uncomfortable than being in the principal's office, I can tell you that. Amen to that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, Billy, right? Uh, Bobby, excuse me. I mean, can you imagine sitting there? Yeah, well, anyway, let's well, don't talk about it. Some of you young people, you know, a lot of things in life are uncomfortable. Um, uncomfortable, sitting in the doctor's office sometimes. And, and, you know, just a lot of things that are uncomfortable. You know, that's understandable that we're uncomfortable in some of those situations. But, you know, there are some things, we talked about this last week, that we looked at, that there are times when we should feel uncomfortable, but we don't. Things that should cause discomfort, but we've gotten to the place where it doesn't cause any more discomfort and in our life. And last week, the first one that we looked at was the church. You say church should be an uncomfortable place? Yes. It should, first of all, be a place that you feel comfortable coming because you feel people that love you and care for you, and it's a welcoming place, and I praise the Lord, this church is that way, but I can tell you this, it needs to be uncomfortable at times when the preaching of the Word of God speaks to your heart. If you go to church and you never get uncomfortable when the preacher opens up the Word of God and says, thus saith the Lord, something is wrong. The Word of God brings conviction to our hearts. Yeah, there's times of edifying and building up, but I can tell you this: if you get into the Word of God, it's not long at all that we become very uncomfortable as the God, God begins to convict us and speaks to our heart. And so I, I just, I, you know, I want us to just look at once again today about uncomfortable areas, things that should cause discomfort and getting out of our comfort zone. By the way, I'm glad that you came to church today, even though it might be uncomfortable for you as the word of God is preached. I'm thankful, by the way. I don't want to go to a church where God doesn't speak to my heart. I want to go to church when God challenges me, when God will bring conviction to my heart. And I hope that today you came to hear from the the word of God, to hear from the Holy Spirit of God as he'd speak to your heart. You see, the truth is, when the word of God is open, it's like a mirror. We begin to see ourselves as the way God sees us. And if we don't see the fact that there's things in our life that God does, there's something wrong. I don't want to be the the fool that forgets as he walks away from the word of God and forgets what manner of man that he is when God speaks to his heart. And so I pray that today that God would challenge your heart and after the service is over, after we're through with the service today, that you don't walk out of here exactly the same way you came in. I would hope that as you desired for God to speak to your heart today, that God would and that you would listen what God has for you today. The truth is, if we are gonna do what God wants us to do, there is gonna be times when we're uncomfortable. I can tell you this, it's uncomfortable to declare the glory of God the way that we should at times. Anybody here find it just extremely easy to witness to somebody? Okay, so in other words, we're all in good company, right? It's a challenge for every one of us. I praise the Lord. I was able to witness to a man yesterday, trusted in Christ as a Savior. But I can tell you this, it's not easy. It's not easy getting out and going out and doing visitation or soul winning. It's not easy to to get out there and the weather's blowing hard. We're standing outside that door. And the wind was blowing, and it was, it was cold. I'll be honest about this, though. While I was witnessing to him, I wasn't cold at all. I didn't even notice it. When he got all through, and after he led him to the Lord, and he prayed and trusted in Christ as Savior, I began to shake. That wind was blowing. It was uncomfortable. But you know what? It was worth it. I praise the Lord for it. As a matter of fact, praise the Lord that Joe was on his way to heaven today because of the fact that the gospel was shared with him. I'm just giving you a personal example. It's not easy, though. And it's not just the pastor that's supposed to declare the glory of God and to share God with others. Every one of us, God has given us the great commission to do that. So when we declare God's greatness, it's going to come times that it's going to be uncomfortable. When you share with your family, when you share with your friends, your co-workers, it's going to feel uncomfortable. But I can tell you this, that it's worth it. It's worth it, putting yourself in a place of being uncomfortable, and I can tell you this, God will give you the right words, and I'll say that yesterday, is, like I said, didn't even notice it was cold. God gave the exact right words. And So today, I want to talk about another thing that should make us feel uncomfortable, but most of the time, it doesn't. It should make us feel very uncomfortable, but most of the time, it doesn't. And it's the, the thing that I want to talk about today is a simple thing, yet it's very complex, it's very, uh, there's so much about it. We've sang a lot about it today. And what I want to talk about today that should make us feel uncomfortable, but most of the time doesn't, is the cross. The cross. A lot of people collect crosses. A lot of people have crosses on different things hanging. We have three crosses on the, uh, the peak of the middle part of our carport out there showing the crosses. Nothing wrong with that, by the way, but it's there. We see it all the time. We, we just had this cross put up about a month ago, a month and a half ago. I mean, Gary Sleesman did a great job on this cross. It looks beautiful, it did a good job. But, you know, oftentimes we look at those things and we, we lose focus of really what this is representing. The thought of the cross should be very uncomfortable. I mean, people, they they wear crosses around their neck and a necklace. There's nothing wrong with that. By the way, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the crosses. It's just I'm trying to get us refocused on what the cross is really about. You know, they have these crosses they wear around, and ladies, they wear these earrings, little crosses, and, you know, they're pretty, and there's nothing wrong with that. But people, people today have become very comfortable with the cross. Comfortable. But I tell you what, we shouldn't be. It doesn't mean we shouldn't wear the cross. It doesn't mean we shouldn't, as ladies, wear the the earrings. It doesn't mean we shouldn't have this. But we ought to always remember what what that cross represents. What it means. On that cross. That's where my Savior died. It's a picture of what Christ did for us. He hung there on that cross for me and for you. And in the Bible, we are called to carry our cross. And that should make us uncomfortable. Let's look at it here. Look at verse number 34 of chapter 8 of Mark. Notice what it says. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This morning, I want you to really think about those words. Who spoke them? Jesus Christ did. And right now, I want you to just look at that. I want you to think about what Christ is saying here. I want you to ask yourself the question today, are you following Christ? What is the cross to you? What does it mean in your life? What's this talking about? Would you join me as we have a word of prayer? Lord, I thank you for your word today. I pray that you challenge our hearts. Lord, I thank you for the cross. Jesus, thank you for dying on Calvary's cross for us. And Lord, you challenge us with such a big challenge for us here today. We're to take up our cross and follow you. Lord, I pray that you challenge our hearts with this thought. May we step out of our comfort zone. May we be reminded once again the price that was paid. We might have eternal life. That we might know you. We might have our sins forgiven. We might be able to serve you and follow you. Lord, speak to us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Comfortable. We are comfortable with the cross because we fail to understand that a commitment to Christ requires a commitment to the cross. A commitment to Christ requires a commitment to the cross. Look at those words once again. He says, "...whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whosoever will come after me." You see, commitment to Christ and selfishness cannot coexist. That's the first thing that we must understand today. I cannot be selfish and at the same time be committed to Christ. Here we see in this text verse, this verse we just read a few times, we see that Jesus, he's making an amazing statement about the desire to come after him, the desire to pursue him, and the fact that it requires a personal commitment to him. And he tells us that this commitment is open to whosoever will. I like the whosoever wills of the Bible. I like the verse, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Aren't you glad for that verse today? Say amen. Amen. I mean, that means that I could be saved. I praise the Lord. I trusted in Christ as my Savior. I'm thankful it was for whosoever will. But you know what? The same truth is right here, that whosoever will come after me. You know, getting saved does not mean it's an automatic thing that you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I can say I'm born again. I'm a child of God. But let me ask you, are you a follower of Jesus Christ today? Are you actively seeking after Him? Whosoever will, it says. It's a choice we have to make. It's a choice to be committed to Christ. And by the way, that choice to be committed to Christ is open to everyone. It all begins with trusting in Christ as your personal Savior. But if we're going to continue to follow Him, it's something that we must choose. And by the way, it's for all Christians that desire to follow Whosoever will, anybody that wants to follow after Christ can do that. It means that even the, the worst of sinners can follow after Christ. You know the thief that was hanging on the cross, the thief that believed in Christ? He was hanging there because he was a thief. Yet in the end of his day, he followed after Christ and trusted in him. You're here today, you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. You can be saved today, it doesn't matter what you've done. You can be a follower of Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter who you are. It says, for whosoever will, it's not just for a select few. I want to make that transition. I just want to say now, if you're a child of God, you're on your way to heaven, you've been born again, you know you're saved, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Don't think that that, being a follower of Jesus Christ is just for the pastor. It's not just for the deacons, it's not just for the teachers, it's it's not just for those people that are, I mean, the ones that are better than I am. You might think, some people think that, and there's no truth to that at all. We're nothing more than sinners saved by God's grace. We're all at the exact same position. God wants to work in every one of our lives. God, He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. First of all, He wants everyone to get saved, no matter who you are and what you've done. And then He says, for whosoever will follow. Whoever wants to follow Him can follow Him. It's a choice that you make. If you're willing to commit to Christ, He is willing to accept your commitment. It's an open invitation. It's whosoever will. Look at the next phrase. Here we see a call to commitment, but then we see some fly in the awaitment here. The next phrase, he says, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. What Jesus is telling us here is that commitment to Christ and selfishness cannot exist in the same space. I can either be committed to Christ or I can be selfish with my time, my talents, my treasure. The list goes on a choice that I'm going to make. Either I'm going to be committed to Christ, or I'm going to be selfish with myself, with my time, everything I have. Remember the story of the rich young ruler? He comes to Christ. Hmm. He approaches Christ. He wants a commitment to Christ, and then he also wants to retain his possessions. He wants to follow after him, but yet he wants to keep the things that he has. You see, he didn't just want Christ. He didn't just want his possessions. He wanted both. And Do you remember what Jesus' response was to him? In Matthew 19, 21, it tells us that Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Think about that. He had all this world's wealth. He had all these great possessions. And this young man's response is that he wanted his possessions more than he wanted to be committed to Christ. More than he wanted to follow Christ. When it came to his selfishness or a commitment to Christ, he chose his selfishness. Let me ask you, what are you choosing today? What are you choosing? What are you living for? Have you been born again? Have you trusted in Christ? You know there's some people that will never get saved because they think they've got to give up so much. There's some people that say, I'm not going to get saved because I've got to give this up, I've got to give this up, I've got to give this up, I've got to give this up. Let me tell you something. When you get saved, you won't even, it won't even matter those things anymore. It's not about that. You can't clean yourself up before you get saved. Listen, you just come to the Lord Jesus Christ, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You come as you are, and God will save you. God will forgive you of your sins, and then God he will work in your life to give you the victory. But as a child of God, we have to let God give us that victory. We have to choose then to be a follower of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, he spoke about those that were saved, yet so as by fire. In other words, yes, they're going to heaven, but they have no works in this life that would bring honor and glory to God nothing that will last everything is wood hay and stubble no gold silver and precious stones to be able to lay the crowns at the feet of Jesus Christ there in heaven it's a choice that we make there's so many Christians today they've gotten saved they become so selfish and and hoarding what God has done for them and not sharing that with others Write this principle on your heart. Don't ever forget it. Because you're going to deal with it the rest of your life. And here's the principle I want to share with you. Commitment and selfishness cannot coexist. Commitment and selfishness cannot coexist. Commitment and selfishness cannot coexist. Do you believe that today? Is that something that you realize? Will you identify that that is true? Will you acknowledge that it's true? see, when we have selfish motives, we cannot commit to anything outside of those selfish motives. That's what drives us. That's the reason we do what we do. There's selfishness. Those selfish motives, they govern the decisions that we make. What is governing your decisions that you make in your life right now? Why do you do what you do? Are you committed to Christ? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? This is a challenge to every one of us. Stop and look at your life. What are you living for? What are you doing what you do? Why? Why are you at church today? Why are you here right now? You know, so many Christians today, they've got all kinds of challenges and troubles in their life, and a lot of it is self-inflicted because of this very reason. Let's just use an example. Let's talk about marriage for a moment many Christian marriages, they end in divorce because one or both spouses are committed to their selfish motives rather than their spouse. By the way, that we see the picture of marriage being a picture of the relationship of, of, of God in us, of the Lord Jesus Christ in us. We see that again and again, the picture of that. And we see the picture of marriage being a beautiful picture of, of God and his love toward us. And, and when we get married, we're supposed to be committed to one another. Committed! When you get married, you're saying that I choose you over my selfish motives. That's really what you're saying. You remember your vows? They went something like this. At least they used to. And and some still do. Something like, I will love you in sickness and in health for better or worse, for richer or poorer. You made that vow. You said that to your wife or your husband. You said that. And by the way, God is the one that you're making that promise to as well as that spouse. The people that were there were to witness that. You made a vow. You were going to put them ahead of yourself. You're going to be committed to them. But after the marriage vows have been said, sometimes later you switch your commitment to your spouse, to your own selfish desires, your own selfish motives, and a result, many times, those Christian marriages end in divorce. Statistically, it is said that there's as many Christians that are getting divorced today as those that wouldn't even claim to be a Christian. Why is that? So much selfishness, selfishness, no commitment to one another. Are you committed to Christ? Are you sold out for Christ? Or are you just in this thing for the selfish things you can get out of it? Well, I got saved so I wouldn't have to die and go to hell. Yeah, I praise the Lord. I'm glad I got saved and have to go to hell either. But is that the, all there is to it? Is that the only reason why one would trust in Christ as their Savior? Is that it? We we stop right there and it doesn't mean anything more to us. It ought not be so. Christ is committed to us, and we ought to be committed to Him. We commit to all kinds of things in this life. We're committed to work. We're committed to getting that paycheck. We're committed to, I mean, the playing on the ball game and that team. Whatever it is, you fill in the blank. You're committed to that club. But when it comes to serving God, where's the commitment? And here's the thing: a commitment to Christ must be voluntary. You have to choose. I have to choose. You can't choose for me, and I can't choose for you. Whosoever will. Whosoever will, he says. You remember the time in your life when you were more committed than you are now? Has there been a time? You remember the day you got saved? Remember when you were born again, made, made alive, when God forgave you of your sin, and you knew you were on your way to heaven. You were so thankful. The weight was lifted. How you couldn't help but share with what God has done for you, and you were committed. Man, I love the Lord. And you wanted, you wanted to share that. You wanted to be in church. You, you wanted to grow. Maybe some of you are there right now. Praise the Lord for those that have been saved and, and you're trusting the Lord. But you know, the problem is, if we're not careful, just like in a marriage relationship, all of a sudden, if we're not careful, we start to lose focus of what's really important. We start to lose focus of, I mean, we start to take things for granted. The cross, yeah. Christ died, you can sing songs that maybe one, at one point in your life, they used to move your heart. It broke you. Now you just sing the words and there's nothing to it. There was times when you'd open up the word of God and you wept as God spoke to your heart and you wept perhaps t- tears of joy because of what God has done. And you had a joy unspeakable and full of glory. But now you've lost the joy of your salvation. you become complacent. And you, everything in life now, it's how has God served me lately? Selfishness. Inward focus. Commitment to Christ must be voluntary. Whosoever will, let him deny himself, the Bible says. Let him deny himself. Are you denying yourself? What you're doing, are you doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ? And then he says, and take up his cross. Notice, Christ doesn't say he's going to force you to take up the cross. It must be our decision. Unfortunately, sometimes people are pressured by others to make a decision that they truly don't mean from their heart. And I want to stop, but I want you to think about this with me. Hey, were you pressured into trusting in Christ as your Savior? You said the prayer just to get that person to leave you alone? Let me say today, right now then, you are not on your way to heaven. You can't be saved today because somebody made you go through and say a certain prayer. Something that comes from inside of your heart. You can't say, well, I was born into a Christian home. My mom and dad were Christian. My mom and dad went to church. I went to church my whole life, and so therefore, I'm a Christian. I'm on my way to heaven. That's not how a person is saved, by the way, folks. Now, that can have a great impact in the positive way on you trusting Christ as your Savior, but it must be a choice that you make personally. Whosoever will, and then we transition from the salvation of having to make that choice to making a decision of what you're going to do with your life. Hey, listen, nobody can force you to follow Christ. Nobody can force you to take up your cross and follow Jesus Christ. You know, where this comes into a big problem is this. Let me just say this, because there's a challenge for young people. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up, my dad was a preacher. I grew up, every time the doors were open, I was at the church. I was there every single, I mean, listen, we were there all the time. We were there all through the week. I was at church all the time. And by the way, it wasn't an option for me whether I was going to be in church or not. I had a loving mom and dad that said, you're going to church with us. As a matter of fact, we never even asked the question. I I don't know, I'm not quite sure how my dad would have responded if I said, Dad, are we going to church tonight? That wouldn't have ended well. That would have been one of those really awkward situations. (laughs) By the way, don't misunderstand the point I'm about to make. Mom and dad, you ought to be taking your kids to church. You ought to be leading them in the path that God wants you to lead them in. But here's the thing. You have to make the decision, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And while those kids are there in your house, they're going to follow you, and they ought to follow you. And I commend you, just the same way that you make your kids go to bed at a certain time, the same way you make your kids brush their teeth. And by the way, those things are nowhere near how important it is that making those kids come to church when they should as well. You ought to make your kids do that. It ought to be things that it's just an automatic, hey, church is, is on, we're going. We're going to be there. That ought to be a normal thing, but here's the thing. Young people, you cannot be made to follow Christ. You cannot be made. You can be led, but when it comes right down to it, you have got to make the decision yourself. You have got to make a decision whether or not you're going to follow after Jesus Christ, whether or not you're going to be willing to pay the price of following Jesus Christ, or not. Listen, I've seen so many young people, they come up and they, they, go, to, they go to church, and they, they get old enough, they finally get out of the home, and they've got to make that crisis of belief decision, a crisis of faith decision. And now all of a sudden they start saying, I don't know what I believe. Sometimes they even made some decisions, and they make a decision to do whatever that God says they should do, and sometimes they, they, they feel they've been pressured into it. I heard this again and again and again when I went to Bible college, and and Dr. Tom Malone would say this often. He says there is no preachers that have been called by their mama. There are no preachers that have been called by their daddy. The only one that truly has been called is a person that's been called by God himself. Don't be a a mama's called preacher. We heard that a lot because the thing was there's some people, young people, you've got to be careful that the reason why you're doing it is because you have made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. There needs to come a time when you do that. You are being led to to, to whatever ministry it is that God would call you to do. It needs to be a decision that you make. It's not about being pressured into it. And if you feel like in this church sometimes that I'm pressuring you to do something, understand this, I'm preaching the Word of God, the Holy Spirit of God ought to be doing the pressuring inside of your heart. I'm not going to try to trick you into anything. I'm not going to beg and beg and beg and beg and beg you to do anything. Now the Holy Spirit of God might. And when the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to your heart, you better listen. It has to be a voluntary decision. Being born again is a voluntary decision. You have to choose it. Mom and dad can't make it for you. Being a follower of Jesus Christ is a voluntary position that you must choose. Now, that being said, I want to say this again. When kids are in the home, they're going to follow mom and dad, whether they like it or not. Make sure you do it in love. And make sure you do it from a position of leading. Of leadership, of showing them, of them following in your footsteps as you follow Christ. Let's just be honest. Every single home, there's gonna be hypocrisies. There's gonna be times when we're not perfect. You know why? Because there's not a perfect person sitting in here. Kids, your mom and dad are not perfect, they never will be perfect. But I can tell you this, mom and dad, if they see that you have a desire to follow Christ, if they see that you are real in your love for Christ, and they see that when you've made mistakes, you've asked for forgiveness. That goes so far. And yes, you ought to lead them, but when it comes down to it, each of us must make a decision. Hey, listen, and it doesn't just, it doesn't just apply to, little, to kids and young people. It applies to adults as well. If you're in a ministry just because somebody told you you have to do it, that's not the right reason. By the way, I don't think that I've ever said that here. I went to somebody and said, the Lord told me you have to do this ministry. I've not done that. And the reason why is because I can tell you this. If you'll do something to serve the pastor of the church, it won't last very long. Because the pastor of the church, there's going to be times he's going to let you down. There's going to be times you're going to see the imperfection. You're going to say, I don't want to do it. If it's not in your heart, it's not the right reason. It's not, you're not going to have the same commitment. But when you're serving here, it's not for the pastor of the church. It's for the Lord Jesus Christ. What has he done for you? How has he blessed us? What has he done for us? decisions. What are we going to do? It's a voluntary decision. Speaking of decisions, I want to talk about that for just a moment. There are some decisions that have favorable outcomes. Sometimes you make a decision, you know it's going to end up well. I mean, I say that. Uh, Making a decision, you want to go and, and, you know, have fun and go, uh, let's just say you want to go to the ball game and you make a decision to go to the ball game. And it can have favorable outcomes. I know you can see negatives with that as well, but um, maybe this is a better one for some of you. Making a decision to go out for lunch today. That's a favorable outcome because you get some food, right? Sounds good. I like favorable outcomes, good decisions. There are some decisions, though, that have little bearing. Let me give you an example. If I'm coming from my house, I can either come up and go down Angling Road to Jabavi to get to Ludington, or I can come down Stiles and go down to Ludington Avenue to get to Ludington. I can go to either one, and really, there's there's no big difference between the two. And so there's little bearing on the outcome. Um, And then there are, those some decisions that have tough outcomes. Jesus is inviting us to volunteer to make that type of decision we're talking about right now. A decision with a tough outcome. If you're going to follow Christ, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. It's going to get you to get out of your comfort zone. Notice what he says there. He says, Take up your cross. Take up your cross. Following Christ is not the easy life. If you're really going to follow him, it's not going to be easy, it's going to be difficult. When Jesus talks about the cross, he's not talking about that cute gold necklace. He's not talking about those cute gold earrings. He's not talking about that. No, he's talking about the type of cross that Jesus carried on the way to his death, that Jesus hung on. That's what he's talking about here. Jesus is obviously not a politician. He's not painting a beautiful picture and an easy road. No, it's going to be a difficult road. It's going to be a difficult life. Remember, he's not asking us to do something he's not already done himself. Christ has already, already carried that cross. He's already hung on that cross. And why should I take up my cross? Why? Why should you take up your cross? Because it is the greatest example of loving. You think about what Christ did for us. I think probably the most familiar verse in the Bible that most, most of us could quote is John three sixteen. Think about those words. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Would you say it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God taking up his cross through his son Jesus Christ. Taking up that cross shows his love toward us. So loved the world it says. It's a demonstration of love. And our cross-bearing, it shows that we love God. Which, by the way, you know, loving God is the first commandment. It shows also our love for our neighbor, which is the second commandment. And Jesus says that all the law of the prophets, they hang on these two commandments. We take up our cross, it's done. It's a demonstration of love. And a commitment to Christ means that I follow behind Him. He leads I follow. He says, take up that cross and follow me, is what he says. Follow me. Who are you following? Who's that person you're following in your life? What's that idea that you're following in your life? Who is that that you're following in your life? You know, if you're not careful, you follow the wrong person, you end up in the wrong place. I've seen that in my life. I've seen it in people's lives. I mean, it's simple things. Think about this. Okay, so you go to lunch today, and you go to the restaurant, and they happen, actually are open. You go inside, and the, and the hostess is there, or the host. And they say, how many's in your party? And then they, you tell them how many, and then they look at the chart, they see which seat's available, and they, they pull out the number of menus, and then they walk over with you, and, as, and it, you follow after them. And if you follow after them, you're going to get to the table where you're going to sit down and be able to order your food. A decision about who you're following. It ends up, well, if you follow the person that's going to direct you to the seat so you can get some food. But what about if you're there and and the hostess is going this way and you see the waitress going that way and you just follow the waitress? You're not going to end up at the table where you're supposed to go. Or how about the busboy? You know, you follow after him, you're going to end up at a table filled with dirty dishes. I, I like simple thinking. This is a simple illustration, but it is a simple thing for us to understand. Listen, we need to understand that If we are not following the right person, we're going to end up in the wrong place. The world will lead you someplace, but not to your proper destination. My flesh will lead me to someplace, but it will not lead me to the destination that God has for me. In this life, the only one who will lead us to the destination that God has for us is Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you today, are you following Jesus Christ? Are you a follower of Him? Yes, to start with, are you a born-again Christian if you trusted Him as your personal Savior? But then, are you following Him every day? Are you following Jesus each step of the way? Is He the one that's leading you in your life? What destination are you headed for? You see, if we will do exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ is talking about here, it's going to be difficult. Take up your cross. There's going to be times when it's going to get difficult. There's going to be times when it's going to be hard. But I can tell you this: as we follow Jesus, some amazing things will take place in our life. You remember what Christ said to His disciples, Matthew four nineteen? He said this that He saith unto them, "Follow Me, and I'll make you fishers of men." It's uncomfortable. But if we'll follow Christ, we'll take up His cross, our cross and follow Him, He will allow us to be able to lead other people to Christ. Once again, who have you led to Christ as you follow Jesus Christ? As you've bared up that cross and you're willing to pay the price and you're willing to take the stand, lovingly sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, proclaiming the greatness of God to others, lifting Him up and saying what He's done for you. Who have you led to Christ? If we're following Him, there's going to be people that come to know Christ because of our testimony. He saith unto them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. We also have this promise. If we follow Jesus in John eight twelve, he says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I, am the light of the world, he that followeth me, shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Man, we live in a dark world today. But listen, I'm so thankful that when I trusted in Christ as my Savior, my eyes were opened. You know the old saying, I saw the light? Yes, I saw the Lord Jesus Christ. I became a child of God. I'm thankful that it didn't just end there, though. As you continue to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, He will bring light to darkness. He will open up your eyes to see what is right, what is wrong, the direction to go. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God wants to direct us as we follow Him. He says, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So we need to see the cross for what it is. It is a place of uncomfortableness, a place that is out of our comfort zone. It's a place that will often bring suffering in our life. We don't like to talk about those things. It's uncomfortable. If you're going to take a stand for Christ, if you're going to follow Christ, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you. I want you to take your Bible and turn over to First Peter. First Peter chapter two, if you would. Look at verse 19. Notice what it says. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Let's stop for a moment. You ever been wronged? You ever suffered when it wasn't even true what they said? That's thankworthy if you've done it because of your conscience toward God. Taking a stand, being a witness turning the other cheek, suffering persecution. Look at the next verse. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. In other words, there's no glory if the attack that's coming into your life is because of something that you're doing that's wrong. But if you're doing it for the glory of God, Take it patiently. That's acceptable with God. There's a reason for it. Look at verse number 21. For even here unto were ye called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that he should follow His steps. That ye should follow His steps. Christ suffered. Set an example. If we're going to follow Him, we're going to go through suffering as well. There's going to be challenges. Look what Christ did. Look at verse 22 who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us what it says. Verse 21. For even hereunto you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. What's the point? Following Christ is not going to be easy. Following Christ means that we're to take up our cross and follow him. Following Christ is a decision that we must make. It's a choice that we must make. We cannot live selfishly and be committed to Christ at the same time. We have to make a decision what we're going to do. Christ, he suffered greatly. He suffered at our, for our, our, our good. He suffered because of what we did. He died for us. And we need to be willing to, be willing to put ourselves out there and do what is uncomfortable. Get ourselves out of the comfort zone, even though it means it's going to be hard and difficult. We take up our cross and follow him because we are a follower of Jesus Christ. Because we love him. We are committed to him. Because we want the love of Christ to be seen in their life. Yes, there's going to be times when people will revile you. There's going to be times when people are going to persecute you. There's going to be times when you are going to be in a difficult situation. There's going to be times when you're going to have to turn the other cheek. Because that family member doesn't understand what you're doing in in this life right now because you became a child of God and you're following Christ. It's liable to cost you in that situation. And I say it's liable to it will cost you in life. There have been, listen, you hear about people that were Muslims that got saved. They trusted in Jesus Christ, their personal Savior, and it literally many times cost their life. It might mean that you're going to have difficulties in relationships that you never did before. Those people you thought that were your friends, that you get saved. I've heard it. I've seen it. People that you thought that they loved you, and once you got saved and you took a stand, you said, God saved me. You're going to suffer persecution from that. But understand this. Look at verse number 20. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable unto God. God has a purpose for it. God will work through it. God will give you the victory. I want to share with you one more verse. In Deuteronomy 31, verse 8, it says this. And the Lord, he it is that doeth, excuse me, he it is that doth go before thee, he will be with thee, he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee, fear not, neither be dismayed. Here we see a challenge to us today. A challenge that has all kinds of things that we know is going to cause difficulties and challenges and hardships. A challenge to us not to be selfish, but to follow after Christ. A challenge for us to take up our cross and to follow Him. A challenge for us to stand up for what is right, even when it costs us something. A challenge to know that there's going to be difficulties in life. But a challenge to us nonetheless. And then we also see a promise that He is going to be with you. Listen, God will be with you every step of the way. Be faithful in doing what He's called you to do. God has a purpose for what you're going through. God wants for people to be saved. And I can tell you this, if they would persecute a perfect man, the Lord Jesus Christ, there will be times when we're going to go through persecution in our life. There's going to be times that we're going to go through suffering. And yet Christ is saying, take up your cross and follow me. No matter the cost, no matter the price, no matter what you might go through, I'm so thankful today that he gives us the commission. He gives us the the, the call to come and to follow him. And then he tells us as we take up that cross to share with what Christ has done for us, as we follow him, that people would see the love of God in our life. What are you following today? Who are you following? Are you following the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you committed? Would you commit yourself to him? Would you say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. Lord, I will follow you no matter the cost. You might be today discouraged. I say, get back up. Even if it means having to go through that difficulty, get back up. You might be today going through a challenge and crisis and belief and trusting in God. Get your eyes back on the Lord Jesus Christ. Get it off the things of this world. The Lord's right there with you. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray.